Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I am your host Matthew Roberts and this is season 4, episode 37 of this daily study podcast. Thank you so much once again for joining us as we continue our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials. We are looking at uh, Genesis chapter 6 to 11 and Moses chapter 8, covered in the week of January the 31st to February the 6th. And today we are going to continue with our study of Noah and the Ark. If you remember yesterday, we discussed the context and the events leading up to the decision by the Lord that there would be a flood. And today we're going to talk about how this decision was made and what the Lord told Noah to do in preparation for this. Um, The Lord said in verse 13 of Genesis 16, um, the end of all flesh is before come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So, the Lord decides that he is going to send a flood. Uh, and in verse 17, he says this. He says, after he's directed Noah to build this ark, which is very specific in its um, diameters uh, in, the, in the Genesis account, you could actually calculate how large this ark was it was huge um but he says in verse 17 and behold i even i do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die so um notice there that it refers to the fact that the waters uh, come from under heaven which of course relates to the fact that there was this um, ancient belief that there were waters above the earth and below the earth as well um, so it helps Noah understand like how this will be possible um, John H. Taylor said quote you remember that the Lord told his prophet Noah that he should go out and warn the people and tell them of the coming destruction but the people seemingly because they thought there would always be a tomorrow and because the floods did not come that day or the next day thought they would never come Therefore they ridiculed the prophets and went their way. But the floods came and they were destroyed because they would not listen to the prophets of the Lord. Close quote. So, for a start, this for us is an important reminder about how we need to listen to the prophets. And even though they may say things and give us warnings about certain aspects of life, um, they know what is coming. Whether they know specifically what the Lord intends to do or not, They've been given direction from the Lord uh, to be able to prepare us. Uh, A great modern example of this, of course, is when President Nelson um, decided to direct the church towards focusing on a home-centred church and preparing ourselves to be able to learn the gospel more uh, focused at home and be supported by church. And then, of course, a couple of years later, there was a global pandemic. And for a number of months, no one could physically meet at at a church for a while. Um, And so the idea of a a home-centred church was even more important then. Uh, And this is, of course, an example of what we see here, just how important it is to listen to the Lord's prophet. Now, let's address uh, the the question uh, of how could such a loving and merciful God sends such a devastating flood upon all mankind uh, and only save a few. Of course, these people um, were given an opportunity to repent, and we know this. It wasn't like the Lord 
gave them you know one or two chances and then said right that's it that's done he gave them a number of chances and yet they did not but the issue here um is more to do with the fact um that this act of the flood was ultimately a more loving and merciful act than it would have been to allow this wickedness to continue uh, John Taylor um, addressed this. He said, quote, Now I will go back to show you how the Lord operates. He destroyed a whole world at one time, save a few whom he preserved for his own special purpose. And why? He had more than one reason for doing so. This antediluvian people were not only wicked themselves, but having the power to propagate their species, they also transmitted their unrighteous natures and desires to their children and brought them up to, an, to indulge in their own wicked practices. And the spirits that dwelt in the eternities, eternal worlds knew this, and they knew very well um, that to be born of such parentage would entail upon themselves an infinite amount of trouble, misery, and sin. And supposing ourselves to be a number of unborn spirits, would it not be fair to presume that, they, that we would appeal to the Lord, crying, Father, do not behold the condition of this people, how corrupt and wicked they are? Yes, it is, is it then that just that we who are pure should take such of such bodies and thus subject ourselves to the most bitter experiences before we can be redeemed according to the plan of salvation? Close quote. So I really like this uh, argument or this kind of, um, well, argument, but explanation by uh, President John Taylor. The fact that, yes, of course, if we look at the look at all of this with a finite perspective, with this world being the only life we have, then, of course, this would seem like an unfair and unjust thing to do. But as we just studied yesterday, this people was so, so far gone that every person on the earth, aside from Noah and his family, it seems, from what we read, were in this state of wanting to do evil and wickedness at, at, at all times. And so to bring the, the Lord, further children to the earth who would then be raised in this way and for this to continue throughout all of mankind would be a much more dangerous thing for us spiritually than it would to, to reset the earth this one time, as it were. And of course, um, don't forget that this does not mean the end for these um, anti-Deluvian uh, anti people, which means people who lived before the flood. Um, the, we are refer, we re see them referred to later on uh, in the New Testament uh, when we learn about uh, the Saviour's ministry. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, where we learn about um, the uh, post-mortal ministry of our Saviour and how the spirit world <coughs> is a place where we go. We read in First Peter chapter three verse twenty in the Joseph Smith translation, some of whom were disobedient in the days of Noah, while the long suffering of God waited while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Um, these spirits who were disobedient and lost their lives because the Lord needed to to begin afresh on the earth, um, they were given the opportunity after this life to begin again to learn more of the gospel, to accept the Saviour uh, into their lives, and to be able to begin afresh themselves in a state which perhaps would have been more conditional, or more, well not conditional, but more of a better condition to be able to them, for, to, for them to be able to receive the gospel rather than this earth where everyone around them was also being wicked. Um, so I think that that helps to, to some degree help us understand 
why this, this flood was necessary and needed. We then, in verse 18, read of the first mention of a covenant. It says, But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing, all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark, to keep them alive, of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after every kind, um, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. So we see here that the Lord that Noah does this uh, according to all the Lord commands him. But this word covenant comes up in verse 18. Now, of course, we know that there were other covenants made before this time. Um, Robert J. Matthews says, quote, The first mention of the word covenant in the King James Version is one that the Lord makes with Noah. However, we learn from the Book of Mormon that the Bible no longer contains a complete history of God's dealings with mankind, and that many covenants of the Lord have been lost from its pages. Through revelation and restoration by the prophet Joseph Smith, we now know that the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ was first revealed to Adam, and that he and his immediate family were the first covenant people more than a thousand years before Noah. Close quote. It seems that the way that the Lord says, establish my covenant with Noah here in Genesis 6.18 seems to indicate that there was a covenant previously which had been made and that he was now establishing also with Noah. That word establish, I think, is a very important one. The original Hebrew of the word is kum, which, means, which can mean to continue or endure or to raise again. Uh, and so it indicates that there were covenants made previously to this, even though we don't have a mention of a covenant in the original King James Version uh, before this. And so that's an important point to remember, that um, the Lord has always covenanted and made these promises which he upholds uh, with mankind. Thank you very much for listening today. Uh, thank you for joining the study. We'll continue with the actual event of the flood tomorrow and see what we learn from that point. Thank you very much for your time and until we meet again.